Pastor Xavier Reese and making a stand on your faith. The problem of man is internal, isn't it? Jeremiah 17.9 says that our heart is deceitful, desperately wicked above all. So it's not the society. Daniel said, I purpose in my heart not to defile myself with the king's meat. Joseph said, how can I do this great evil and sin against God? Poof, I'm out of here. Your purity is not dependent upon the generation you live in. Your purity is dependent upon your willingness to yield to God. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. You can devote your life to helping the homeless, serving those who are sick, or feeding the poor. But today, in his study from the book of Ephesians, Pastor Xavier says, No matter how good the act, there is nothing that can open up the door to heaven, except for the Son. Let's join him for today's Simple Truths. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 through 3. The message is entitled, Dead in Darkness and Depraved. Chapter 2 gives us a beautiful contrasting picture of man's past life in relationship to his new life in Christ as a result of the power of the resurrection. Man's lost condition is given to us from three vantage points. First, the dreadful state of man, verse 1. Secondly, the daily walk of man, verse 2. And then thirdly, the depraved nature of man, verse 3. Notice first that Paul declares that they were spiritually dead in the past. And you were dead in trespasses and sins. Now, notice the magnitude of the miracle. It is in the little phrase in verse 4, but God. If it wasn't for God, you and I would be lost for all eternity. There's the miracle. Every time you see someone born again, it is a miracle like no miracle you will ever see. Unless God had intervened, man would remain in spiritual death. Notice, secondly, Paul declares that their spiritual death and their condition was characterized by two things, trespasses and sins. Now, the word trespass means to fall besides a person, to deviate from the right path, or to wander. The trespasses are at times distinguished from sins as willful, decisive deviations, a mark of rebellion and self-will. You know what's wrong, but you still go ahead and do it. The word sins, harmatia, means to miss the mark, a shortcoming. The word sin is used in classical Greek of a spearsman who misses the target which he aims to hit with his spear. Now, in our context, it refers to the failing to the measure that God has prescribed. Man cannot measure up to the life that God wills. It's impossible. Now the scriptures tell us that God made Jesus to be sin for us, same word, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So God made him to be something I was so that I could be something he is. That's a miracle. That's God. Only as man acknowledges his true and dreadful state of spiritual darkness and deadness regarding his sins and trespasses, there hope for him. As Ephesians 2.12 says, Therefore remember that in the times you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, stranger of the covenant of promise, having no hope without God in the world. That's a dark description of man. Until you recognize that, there's no hope for you. None at all. Remember what Jesus declared in the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Matthew 5, 3. 
poor in spirit is talking about poverty of spirit, recognizing your own bankruptcy to deserve God or to approach God. And you come as you are and he cleanses you by his grace. Remember, but God. God is the one who does that. Man can only be aware of his dead condition by the work of the Holy Spirit of God. That's a work of the Spirit of God. And so the dreadful state of man is that he is dead spiritually. That's the first viewpoint that he gives to us. This is the first vantage point of man's lostness. Now, secondly, notice the daily walk of man in verse 2. He says, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works, and the sons of disobedience. Notice first Paul says, he declares here, that they once walked according to the course of the world, identifying the former life. The key word is once. Underline that. It refers to the lives and times past of the Gentiles. Times past, contrast to what? What you are now. Notice the word world. It's the worst cosmos. The word refers to the world order, the system that is debased from the order of God and bent on evil since the fall. Notice, secondly, Paul declares that they once walked according to the prince and the power of the air. Now he identifies the person. First a period, now the person. The word prince means first in order of persons or things. It is the title referring here to Satan, who is the head of the fallen system. It refers to Satan, who is the head of the antagonistic force against the kingdom of God. The person of Satan has certain powers, but they are delegated and limited by God, as revealed by the book of Job. He says, you have a hedge around him. Bring it down. He says, all right, but you can only do so much. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. 1 John 4, 4, he can't touch you. Why? Because you belong to God. Now notice, thirdly, that Paul declared that they once walked according to the Spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. Identify now the power. The period? The person? Here's the power. The Spirit who now works refers to the principle of sin and trespasses. Sins and trespasses that had its origin in Satan and now is operating in man through the consequence of what? The fall. Every person who does not know God, this spirit is working in the sons of disobedience. Every person who is spiritually dead does not know God and is a captive of Satan to do his will in 2 Timothy 2.26. Everyone. The word disobedience means impersuasible and uncompliant. That is man, spiritually dead. Sin in man is like water and gravity. Leave them alone, and their direction is downward. It's never upwards. All of us walked according to the world and its course. We went along and partook of whatever levels of sin. That's why we're said to be uh, our righteousness as filthy rags, a menstrual garment, Isaiah 64, 6. Some of us were controlled by Satan more than others, depending on the degree of depth of sins that we were involved in. In chapter 4, he's going to tell us later on, verse 18, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because the blindness of their hearts. He'll go down and speak about how they're, they're past feeling. Verse 19, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness. Remember how the first time you got convicted of something? The more you did it, didn't even bother you? Like water off a duck's back? That's what he's talking about. The longer you're in sin, the more callous you get. 
The more callous you get, the more cynical you get. The more cynical you get, the more rebellious you get. The more self-will you get. All of us were children of disobedience. And the denial of it has caused the world to be in a state of destruction. Destruction of families through the selfish me generation and philosophy. Sexual confusion through homosexuality. Not to mention the outrageous cost of the workforce through theft, absenteeism because of drugs and alcohol. And not to speak of the cost that goes into the millions, billions, and even trillions yearly. All because we deny what God says to be true. All of us must be one with what we profess. Listen to 1 John. 1 John 1, 6 is if we say that we have fellowship with God and we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Verse 8 says, if we say we have not, no sin nature, we deceive ourselves and the truth not in us. Verse 10 of chapter 1 says, if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. But verse 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What a merciful God. We are to walk according to the prince of peace. The spirit that now works in us as sons of obedience Adopted sons of God, not what we used to be. Chapter 1, verse 5, adopted sons. All of us need to know how we are to walk. And he's going to tell us a couple of those things. Let me just point out a couple of them. Chapter 4, verse 1, we are to walk worthy of the vocation which we are called. Chapter 5, verse 2, we are to walk in love. Chapter 5, verse 8, we are to walk as children of the light. Chapter 5, verse 15, we are to walk circumspectly. All of these are evidence of walking in the Spirit of God. The daily walk of man is determined by darkness, absolute darkness. I presume you know there's different shades of darkness, but darkness nevertheless. But it is amazing how accustomed we get to darkness. You remember the party days? And you walked in and the lights were off and you're going, boy, I can't see. Where's Joe? And then about five minutes, you walk in the door. Hey, Joe, hi, Mary. Hey, this and that. Your lies get used to darkness. Darkness can, can, can reveal great light once you're accustomed to it. Notice the third vantage point. The depraved nature of man, verse 3. Among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath just as others. Notice first, Paul declares that they once all conducted themselves in the lust of the flesh. Here he's saying that man can do nothing but sin. He has no potential for righteousness and true holiness. And when he declares by the phrase, among whom we, he refers to the Jew as children of disobedience. So now he brings his own race alongside. He says, you Gentile, but now we Jew were the same. That was an incredible proclamation for Paul's day. The apostle Paul indicates that the Jew as well as the Gentile was lost. The apostle says they conduct themselves and the word means to go to and fro, behave in accord with certain principles of the age, and then order the behavior. The identity of the context is said to be the lust of the flesh. And you know the word lust 
is in the plural here. Mark that down. And it refers to the passions, the longings, the cravings of the sinful nature. The word flesh, sarks, is used in Scripture in different ways. It can be used for the physical body, which is not sinful in itself. It's just a vehicle. The word can be used also to refer to the sin nature of man. And the word can also refer to the fruit of that sin nature. Here it's used in the sin nature. The lusts of the flesh are deceitful and destructive towards man. It's like when you go fishing, you get that worm and you, and, you, and you put it through the hook and you disguise it. You're saying to that fish, look what I got for you. I got a gummy wear for you, a gummy worm. But you're not showing them the hook. That is the lust of the flesh. It disguises what you're seeing and you don't see the hook. Ephesians 4, 17 through 22. He says, this I say therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk, listen, the futility of your mind, emptiness, having their understanding darkened, being aliens from the commonwealth or uh, from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness that is in their where? Heart. The heart. Who being past feeling, having given themselves over to lewdness and working all uncleanness and greediness, the more you do something, the more callous you get. But you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Christ, that you put off concerning the former conduct, the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust. There it is, deceitful. You can put it off. You have the power of God now. And be renewed in the spirit of what? Your mind. And that you put on the new man, which is created according to God in righteousness and holiness. There it is. For that reason, Peter tells us in 1 Peter 2.1, Beloved, I beg you, as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. See, the Christian still has a warfare, does he not? But now he's equipped to be the victor. You're not a slave any longer. You, I am not a slave. We have a choice. Listen to Peter 1 Peter 4, 3. For we have spent enough of our past life in doing the will of the Gentile. When we walked in the lewdness, lust, drunkenness, revelries, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries. I look at my past life and... and I wasted so much time in my life. That's enough. <laughs> no more. For that reason, John tells us, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, the pride of life is not of the Father, but of the world, and the world is passing away and the lust of it. But he who does the will of the Father abides forever, 1 John 2, 16 and 17. There are a lot of things in the world you can have fun in. There's nothing wrong with them. It's what you do with those things. Do they glorify God or do they... Bring pleasure to you apart from the glory of God. Nothing wrong with drinking water if you're thirsty. But there's certainly something wrong if you're drinking a case to get a bus and then destroy people's lives. Nothing wrong with going to the doctor and getting some drugs prescribed to you so you can get healed. But there's certainly something wrong with getting your head blasted and then reading the book of Revelation. It depends what we want to do. Man is ruled by his carnal desires. They fall under the works of the flesh in Galatians 5.19. Paul declares that in his flesh there resides not one good thing to do anything good, Romans 7.18. The catalog of sins in chapter 1 of Romans are dark, different shades, but they're all evil, darkness against God. Jesus says whoever commits sin is a slave of sin in the Gospel of John. Notice secondly, Paul declares that they also catered to fulfill the desires of their flesh and mind. Notice that if that's where you live, then you're going to cater to it. 
No one ever makes preparation for a vacation and doesn't plan on going. All right? No one walks in the kitchen and makes a nice juicy steak and says, well, I won't eat it. The desires of the flesh are the dictates and demands of man's sin nature. The things, listen, willed. The same word is used by Jesus when he taught his disciples, your will be done, as he was teaching them to pray in Matthew 6.10. It's the will. Paul uses this word seven times in the letter. Every time he uses it is for God, except for one time here. Every time the word will is used, it's for the will of God. That's what it should be. Your practice should be the will of God. Your own will should be the exception. It's because of failure. The will of God is our duty. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, I beg you by the mercy of God that you present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, which is your reasonable service. Don't be fashioned to this world system, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind to prove what is that good, the perfect will of God. It's conclusive here. It's not external, but it's internal. It's sin nature. As Jeremiah 17, 9 says, that our heart is deceitful, desperately wicked above all. Who can know it? So it's not the society Daniel said, I purpose in my heart not to defile myself with the king's meat. Joseph said, how can I do this great evil and sin against God? Poof, I'm out of here. Your purity is not dependent upon the generation you live in. Your purity is dependent upon your willingness to yield to God. It's to your love for God. Not in the generation you live in. I think too many Christian parents are excusing their children. Well, you know, it's a lot different than we grew up. I bet it is, but there's no excuse yet. They have the gospel. They have the Holy Spirit. They have a responsibility. I don't think they have it worse than Daniel or Joseph. I don't think they had it worse than you. You had a choice. You heard, you turned. They have to turn. God has no grandchildren, only sons and daughters. Sin nature kills innocence, marking people for life. It kills ideals, crushing hope for life. It kills the will, unable to resist living as a slave for life. We have been redeemed from the slave market. We've seen that. We are free in Christ. Now notice thirdly, Paul declares that they were by nature children of wrath, Jew and Gentile. The natural state of man is related to Adam, who was the federal head of the human race, as you know. The phrase by nature means what is innate, implanted in one by the natural process, in this case, the fallen nature. Sin nature was passed on by Adam in Romans 5.12, it says. We are exactly like him in a fallen state. The natural relationship is that of children. Notice that. Children of wrath. The entire phrase is in the perfect tense, a continuous state of sin nature, the depravity of man. And the word children here is technon, from the word to give birth. Each of us had our birth with our parents, and they trace their genealogy and their tree back to Adam of the same kind. The first Adam begot a son in his own likeness after his own image, named Seth, Genesis 5.3. What does it mean after his own image, his own likeness? It means just like him fallen. Fallen. Listen, no one had to teach you how to cuss, <laughs> how to steal, how to be sneaky. That came natural. 
The last Adam, Jesus, made us born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. 1 Peter 1.23 says, there's a contrast. What a contrast this is to man's constant declaration that he's good, alive, and yet he's close to God. He's absolutely closed. I don't want nothing to do with him. Now, don't miss the type of children that he describes. Children of wrath, which means a natural disposition. Temper, character, characterized by movements of agitations of the soul, impulses, desires, and any violent emotion, but especially anger. Romans 3.10 says there is none good, no, not one. Speaking about all of mankind. The entire world is guilty before God, Paul says in Romans 3.19. Man's depraved nature causes him to be unable to stand before God and approach him as a natural man. He is under God's wrath. He's not only a child of wrath, but he is under God's wrath. He who has a son has life. He who has not the son has not life, and the wrath of God abides in him, John 3.36. Man is doomed to live in eternal death as he is directed by utter darkness and dominated by his depraved sin nature unless he repents of his or her sins. Now notice, Paul first mentioned lust, then acts, and then he makes the declaration, children are wrath by nature. Why do we do the things we do? Because we're children of wrath. We're spoiled. We're in love with ourselves, and we don't have room for anybody else in our world besides us. Dead in trespasses and sins. One of the clearest proofs of the depravity of man is his dead said hatred of the only solution to his greatest solution, salvation. The Bible does not teach that there is no good in man. The doctrine of total depravity does not mean that. The Bible teaches rather that there is no good in man that can satisfy God. Donald Barnhouse declares that. He has no goodness to stand before God for salvation. That's what we're talking about. No goodness that he does can save him. The only hope for any person is not to live under the power of the lust of the flesh and the mind, is to accept Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior, to walk in the Spirit. Galatians 5.16 tells us that. The believer must realize that he is still a, has sin nature and must not make provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof, to put on the Lord Jesus Christ, Romans 13.14. The believer has passed from being a child of wrath to a child of love. John 13, 35. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples if you have love one for another. To change is possible only in the statement, but God, and as many as believed him and received him, to them he will give the authority, the ability to become children of God, John 1, 12 says. What a glorious hope. We perhaps have given up on people, but God has not. We perhaps are deceived by the nature of man, but God is not. The depraved nature of man is dominated by sin nature. Will always be. And so, a life without Christ is a bad condition to be in for three reasons. The dreadful state of man is that he is spiritually dead. The daily walk of man is determined by darkness. And the depraved nature of man is dominated 
by sin nature. I don't know if you've played baseball, but three strikes means you're out. Those are three good reasons for you to repent of your sin and to open your heart to Jesus Christ. Pastor Xavier Reese and sound reason to surrender to the Lord and not the world. And this completes the compelling message, Dead, Darkness, and Depraved. We can send you a copy on CD for only $4. And this will also include what Pastor Xavier shared the last time we were together. So once again, the title to request is Dead, Darkness, and Depraved. Or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for telling us the call letters of this station in your correspondence. This information is helpful when we check on the impact of this outreach in your area. What's your most important quest as a Christian? We'll be searching for the answer on the next edition of Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 